All right, you ready to do this? Yeah. Okay, I got an intro. Okay, sweet. Spoiler alert! Here is this week's show show with Sweets and Slaney. I'm kind of wondering how much my continuous glucose monitor is messing with it too. Oh, that's very interesting. Because it keeps chiming in with uh, with fall rate alerts. Yeah. So I'm, I'm also trying to eat these candies. So. And we know how much I love the sound of you eating on the podcast. Mm-hmm. The other day on yeah. Anna Ferris's podcast, she was eating a Snickers at the beginning, and I wanted to throw yeah. up. It was it was. It was vomitous. It was so disgusting. I feel like you get more affected by this than most people. That might be so, but I'm definitely affected by it, and I am a large portion of the show show's listenership. That's fair. I apologize. <laughs> okay, so uh, that's the Super Bowl. We're not going to hit an hour, mm-hmm. I can tell you right now. There's just not enough things to talk about in popular culture this week. It was just, amazingly, it, be, it was this like iconic week pop-culturally in that it was... Super Bowl and This Is Us was big in the news and it seemed like big things were happening. Star Wars and the Avengers trailer and Black Panther's coming out and Kylie Jenner had a baby and it just seemed like a big news week. And yeah. as a result, it was it was not enough of a small news week for us to be able to fill our show. Does that make sense? Yeah. So like every article is about uh, either the Super either Bowl, one of the big things, or nothing, or or yeah, there's like there's not enough little interesting things that we can actually drag a conversation out of. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's honestly kind of a crazy time right now in sports. The NBA trade deadline is tomorrow. They're talking about potentially trading your boy LeBron. I know. I had heard recently that he's his days at the in Cleveland are probably over for a second time. Yeah, I mean they they won't trade. LeBron, but did you hear about Trudeau too? Also asking, is it true that he asked someone to not say mankind? He asked like a female student that was talking, or was that like a Beaverton thing? He did. He said it, but it was a joke, and he says it was a bad joke. And in fact, like honestly, I kind of think making the joke is worse than him genuinely meaning it. Because like if he's making a joke, it sounds like he's mocking feminism. You know what I mean? Right, but when I read it, I was like, "Oh my god, that's so cringy." Because I thought it was true, and I th- honestly think, like, if he actually did that, it's kind of like, "Okay, we all need to just pump the brakes here for a second. And that's how I felt too. Yeah. So I, I don't exactly know what happened, but you're right. Somebody was asking him a question, and they used the term "mankind," and he was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, people kind." And <laughs> that that's awkward on its own because you might use the word "humankind," like that's the thing people say occasionally. But people kind is very clunky. <laughs> Couldn't even come up with the word. Yeah. And now he's come uh, out to say it was just a really bad joke. But like I said, like it, to make a joke about that kind of sounds like you're mocking, uh, like militant feminism, like people who who have a problem with every little thing, and that's kind of against his politics, typically. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm so. Did you listen, happen to listen to the Joe Rogan episode that had this uh, most recent like humanist slash psychologist on it? I haven't listened to Rogan in a while, no. No, it was pretty good. It was kind of talking about like you know sexism and and feminism and how like people are getting too politically correct. He kind of noted that a little bit, okay, and how it's like almost harder to affect change when everyone is is like getting caught up in the wrong things. Well, I think that's there's definitely some truth to that. But it's hard to know what the wrong things are. 
Yeah. The, pro- yeah I- the problem we have now, I think, is that nobody hears context. Nobody really hears intent behind words. You can tell what a person means, and sometimes they say the wrong thing, and we forget to check what they mean. Right. Yeah, I know, I know what you're saying. Um, I, I don't know. Honestly, I've been too obsessed with uh, Tom Brady making out with his son to pay much attention to what you were oh, just talking about. Oh, God. That has, gotten, <laughs> that has gotten an awful lot of flack. And you know, I think it I think it got way more flack than it should. And here's the reason why. So Tom Brady, and obviously I've I've been bargaining with myself too, because I want to think Tom Brady's the coolest guy in the world. You, I kinda want his You want to give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. I think part of it was that he was lying on the bench, like and could not move. So when the sun was over him kissing him he like it's not like he could be the one to like pull away right so his son obviously innocently was like oh i gotta kiss my dad for longer in order to get him to give me advice on my fantasy football team and kind of just like hung out in that position Yeah, but you're leaving out the the important factor which is that he demanded his son kiss him for longer like (laughs) like he he's getting a massage you're right he's he's down on the table and his kid comes in and wants to check the fantasy standings or whatever he's like can i check he's like sure give me a kiss first or whatever what does daddy get i think he says uh so he goes over and kisses kisses his dad on the lips this is an 11 year old son and like i by the way i think it's it's fine i guess if you want to kiss your kid on the lips i can't remember the last time i kissed my dad on the lips but whatever yeah, I'm not, it's either. not it's not what i'm judging uh he kisses dad on the lips and then he starts to walk away and tom brady goes that was just a peck and I was like, what do you want from your kid besides a peck? <laughs> I know. I know. It's super. That that honestly was pretty troubling. It's bizarre. I don't know why that happened at all. I have not seen that episode yet. Um, I have watched a couple of the episodes of Tom versus Time. But, uh, yeah. I mean, like, it was funny. I was talking with a coworker today who is a mom. And she was like, you know, I do that with my kids. Like, what was that? Like, that, that wasn't a wasn't a kiss you know kind of if you're like come over and give mom a kiss if you want to and and the kid kind of just like like tries to get out of it really quick and it's like oh give me like kiss me like you mean it <laughs> interesting yeah there probably is like a double standard uh gender wise there probably is i think that's the what we should all be attacking but i think we should probably get away in general from forcing kids to do these acts of affection that clearly make them uncomfortable. Like it's one thing to say, like go uh, hug your grandma or whatever. But like if a kid is really resisting from certain uh, expressions of affection, we probably shouldn't enforce it. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Especially while their parent is getting massaged. (laughs) And a peck is enough, Tom. Yeah. (laughs) That was enough for daddy. Yeah, exactly. What does daddy get? (laughs) Holy <laughs> crap. God. The uh Big Daddy Elon got uh got a couple of rocket launches. Yeah, so, like he he was selling rocket launchers last week, right? Like uh not rocket launchers but like flamethrowers on Was that supposed to be in correlation with the fact that he set stuff up into space this week? I don't know. I saw a video of him using a a flamethrower and I thought that there's no need for a flamethrower to exist. Like he had that. a bunch of flamethrowers made, and he sold them all. They sold out. It turns out it's not that difficult to sell weapons to Americans. 
He sold the flamethrowers? Like, yes. What are they going to use it for? I don't know, to burn shit down, probably. To wreak havoc. Oh, God, I'm happy none of those were in Philly after they won the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Elon, uh, he was he apparently had a... He, he rocketed a, a Tesla Roadster up to space while playing David Bowie. Yeah, no, I heard about that. Yeah, that's really cool. Did you see the meme that was like, Tesla launched, uh, Tesla played Bowie in space, and then there was a picture of Bowie playing Tesla. In the Prestige. In, uh, in the Prestige. I know, what an interesting parallel. I wonder if they thought of that. Uh, I have no idea. I thought that was so crazy. What a great movie is The Prestige. Oh my goodness. I know. Incredible. That's come up a couple times, us mentioning how good The Prestige is. Hey, you know what's really good? <laughs> and it's amazing I never saw it until last week. The Godfather. I watched The Godfather for the first time. Oh, my God. So you still have part two to look forward to? Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm jealous. Yeah, I mean, I you, must, that... you must have movies that you know are classics and everybody says are great. You've just never really gotten around to watching them. Yeah. I've, I've never seen Citizen Kane. Yeah. Okay. I haven't either. Um, okay. Um, yeah, there's there's some some other big ones I probably haven't seen. I've never seen Scent of a Woman. Oh, okay. That's or a weird one to pull out of your brain. Or Dead Poet Society yeah. or Good Morning Vietnam. I don't know why I'm thinking of specifically Al Pacino and <laughs> Robin Williams movies. But. Al Pacino is so handsome in The Godfather. Oh, yeah. And you know what else? Yeah. It is, and I'm not going to have any take on The Godfather that hasn't been said a million times. It's just still fresh in my body. Um, it's ridiculous sure. that, that Marlon Brando won the Oscar for that movie. He's barely in that movie. He doesn't matter in that movie. It's not about him. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. I think that was like a, a, the equivalent of Robert De Niro getting an Oscar late in life. And yeah, it's a career Oscar. Although Robert yeah. De Niro had young man Oscars too. Yeah, totally. Um, Robert De Niro. Speaking of Godfather Part Two, um, he's he kind of looks like a stunner in Godfather Part Two. He's like a, at his youngest, like most in shape. Right. And my brother says that you don't really watch it for like the main timeline in Part Two. You watch it for the young Vito stuff. Yeah, yeah. Man, I'm. You should. Uh, God, I haven't seen it in a while either. I should watch Godfather Part 1 and 2 over again. Man, absolutely. Like, at first, like, for the first 40 minutes or so, I was like, I don't really know if I'm if I'm connecting with this. And then, uh, I think it's when he gets shot, when he when they try to assassinate him. And I had, yeah. I had, like, a strong reaction to it. And I was like, oh, I guess I'm invested in this. It's just such a oh, slow burn. And I suddenly cared about everything that was happening. And I didn't know Diane Keaton was in it. And there she was. And, like, and then the thing that happens to... To James Caan is very troubling. It was a phenomenal yeah. movie. It was so good. A lot, a lot goes on in in the first two movies and really in the third movie. But don't be in a rush to watch the third movie. But have you seen you've speak, going on the mafia tip? Have you seen Goodfellas? No, but it's it's my understanding oh my that God. it's like very violent, right? I don't know. I it's no more violent than The Godfather. Okay, because like there is a lot of gunfire in The Godfather, but there's no gore like interestingly like what happens to james khan is like they they shoot him unrecognizable like yeah it's but like it's not it's disturbing in like a violence kind of way but it's it's not like gory so it's kind of like that i yeah i don't think goodfellas is too gory man okay that's good to know i think you'd be fine to watch it and you've seen the departed too right yeah i love the departed 
Right. It's definitely not more gory than The Departed. Oh, okay. I'm probably in good shape. Yeah. Then. Oh man, you would. I think you'd like Goodfellas more than either of the Godfathers, maybe. Why? It's just a, a fantastic movie. Okay. It was robbed of Best Picture. All right, but like most people say, The Godfather Part Two is like the best movie ever made. Sure. Yeah. No. It's. I. I just think there's more of a watchability, like more of a oh my god this movie's on tv i'm gonna watch it it's like a little bit more guilty pleasure maybe okay it, it hits you in all the right spots and it's scorsese right yes i'll say this i've watched goodfellas probably like five more times than i've watched good uh watched the godfather okay all right Let, it's I, less I of an academic just, movie it's just a pleasureful movie totally Okay. Totally. Uh, but it is kind of an academic movie. Like, it, you know, it's it's well-written and, and shot in a cool way and directed well, obviously, by Scorsese. Right. Yeah, get on that, man. We should do, just do, a, like, a mafioso deep dive on these movies. Yeah, that'd be really fun. That'd be cool. I love mafia movies. Did you see the Solo trailer? I did. What'd you think? I thought it, would, it looked good. I, think I mean, it they cool too. can obviously do—they can do a great job of making trailers look awesome. But kudos to them. It's not really a whole lot you can glean. Like I, I, th I thought it was like pretty textbook trailer. Like the main character kind of uh, narrating loosely, like who he is, and just these like mm -hmm. quick shots. It's very similar to the Rogue One kind of style aesthetically. It's very gritty and looks like it might be darker than was anticipated for this movie. Um, everybody's like jumping out of their seats over Donald Glover as Lando. Like that looks perfect to everybody. We're excited about that. Yeah, it's funny too because it's just a shot of him standing there in his like yeah. cape. Yeah, just looking badass. But people were like, "That's good. That's good enough." <laughs> we haven't heard him talk or anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there wasn't even a line. And I was thinking about like, if there was a line, what would that line be that Lando says? Well, Billy like, Williams has like a really iconic voice, so it'd be interesting to see if he makes an effort to sound like that or if he kind of does his own thing. Yeah, he's got such a smooth voice. Like, I can't believe that you're like, here. <laughs> you know? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, th I, um, I, I, I've heard plenty about this Alden Ehrenreich not being a very good actor, so I would like for that not to be the case. I was just really pleased to see that a lot of the online chatter wasn't all vicious and negative because we've talked a lot about the narrative around the making of this movie and how it seems to be setting people up for almost wanting to see it fail. And at the end of the day, I want every movie I see to be a good movie. Yeah, of course. I, I feel like I've watched movies lately that, you know, you're just like, uh, this movie was not made for me. Okay. Can you give me an example? Well, you know what? It's weird because I I liked, I loved the feeling of watching Good Time. Yeah. But and I talked about it. But by the end of the movie, you're like, oh god, mm. like who was that movie made for? Like who right. is the person that's going to be like, I can't get enough of that movie? Well, I know, but like, it's also a movie isn't just about like vapid escapism like a lot of these people want you to take something away from it it's not just about your entertainment it's about your learning process right yeah that's true they're showing a different side perspective yeah yeah that's true and i i, 
I thought what they did was like perfect. Like, you know, even even like going to a sketchy place, like being in a sketchy place, kind of like, kind of uh, like gritty Brooklyn. You're in this like random apartment, and like they had the feel so perfectly right. Yeah. Of just kind of like, oh, I remember in like junior high going to like a friend of a friend of a friend's house who was like selling weed. <laughs> and that was the kind of feel that there was in the house. Like, oh, it's just kind of like, I don't feel comfortable just hanging out here like yeah. we are right now. I but feel like, like we I, should go. It sounds to me like they achieved exactly what they were going for. Oh, yeah. No, they, they made no faults in making the movie at all. The movie, yeah. again, was like perfect. But I'm like, I, I, I don't know who is like, that was my favorite movie of the year, you know? Like I was thinking about uh, This Is Us yesterday because we watched the brutal episode yesterday. Um, yeah. Which is really good, by the way. Uh, the guy who plays uh, Kevin, who's like the really handsome brother, um, mm-hmm. this character is loathsome. Like he is incorrigible. He is impossible to like. And the more I hate Kevin, the more I realize how much I like the actor who plays Kevin because he is selling me on how I'm supposed to feel about Kevin. Kevin on This Is Us? Yeah, I just mean like sometimes having a negative response to a character or a a film is a sign that the filmmaker or the artist did their job properly. Right. Is it so? So Kevin's the actor brother? Yeah, he's the one who plays like the sitcom star, like the washed up sitcom star on This Is Us. And he's is he supposed to be like the bad guy in it? No, but he's just he's the one that you struggle to like. Oh, I see. Yeah. I see. Um Yeah. Can we talk about that episode a little bit with spoilers? Can we be like, don't listen for the next two minutes or something? No, or should man, we just stay it, away from it? We can we can do that. It's out there. It's it, and again, we said this last week, it's no shock that Jack dies on This Is Us. So so Jack dies on This Is Us. Right. Everyone has the kind of inkling that it's going to be in a fire. And then there's trailers all week that like there was a fire that happened. Well, they openly told us at the beginning of this season that their childhood home caught on fire and they did, they did a flash to a moment where Mandy Moore pulls up to the house and it's like caution taped off and it's just this burnt wreckage and she just starts screaming and crying. Like, you know, their house burns down and you know, yeah. and you find out later that it's like a couple episodes we found out it's because they didn't put batteries in the smoke detector. They didn't keep it a secret that the house was going to burn down. Right. So no secrets there. Right. And then the whole first scene happens where the house is burning and he's going around and like saving people. And right. then he's out on the front, like Vallis of the house. Yeah. And says, <laughs> someone in the family is like the dog, the dog's still in there. Yeah, That was bullshit. And you're like, get the hell out of there, you idiot. Yeah. And he runs back in and then you think he's going to die trying to save the dog. Right. And then he comes out with the dog. And yeah. He like, comes out and, every, he not and every, die in the fire. Everybody's good. So, and what was so uh, so fictional and unrealistic is that uh, they're upstairs and the fire starts downstairs 
and he comes out from the downstairs. Like, if that's what it looked like upstairs, I'm sorry, the downstairs doesn't exist anymore. You can't just, like, walk through and find the photo album and the dog who's probably hiding in a closet if he's alive at all. Like, it, yeah. it was not realistic that, that Jack survived that fire, but in fact, he does. They go to the hospital to make sure everybody's okay. They're like, yeah, your heart rate's up. You're going to be okay, though. You took in a lot of smoke, but everything seems fine. Your burns are minimal. Everybody's good. And then Mandy Moore goes to get a candy bar and Jack goes into cardiac arrest and he dies of a heart attack. And meanwhile, you know that he died that day. Like yeah. it's made painfully clear. Yeah, he they, dies they on Super Bowl like, Sunday. Yes. Day. Yeah, this is the day that it happens. So you know he's going to die at some point in the episode. So they basically, they almost kind of did it in the most lackluster way they could. I didn't find it lackluster, but I do think they spared us some pain. I think it would have hurt a lot more if he didn't come out of that house. Right. Or if you just saw the the dog like trying to drag him out. <laughs> <It's> the tiniest <laughs> dog. <laughs> <laughs> just like easily dragging him out of the house. I won't lie to you though, man. Like uh, we we wept. We cried. Really? Yeah, I don't do well with with dead dad stuff. Like there's a there's a scene of uh, an episode of How I Met Your Mother where Marshall's dad has died, and that's like a shitty sitcom that made me cry. Uh, you know the movie About Time? With uh, Donald Gleason and Rachel McAdams? Uh, no, I that, don't think I do. It's it's a, a really great movie. It's on Netflix. Uh, it's about it's about this kid, this dude who's like twenty, and on his twentieth birthday, his dad reveals to him that all the men in their bloodline can travel through time. Oh, whoa! Yeah, it's and then like he uses it to help him score the girl, and like it's a really great movie that kind of builds itself as a romantic comedy, but ultimately it's about your relationship with your father, and I, that's that's a movie that's made me like like gasp for air. I'm sobbing so much. I think I remember you telling me about that one. Yeah, beautiful movie. Uh, this uh, this headline just kind of made me gasp for air. <laughs> Marlon Brando and Richard Pryor had sex, <laughs> says the comedian's widow. Did you yeah. hear about this? Well, yeah. So Quincy Jones did this like uh, variety interview or something this week where he said a bunch of like kind of scandalous things. Um, okay. And so what he was talking about was how brando would basically sleep with anything that like he was just like he, he had he had no he had no inhibitions anything that moved brando Any port in a storm brando kind of would, would stick it in and so he, he he listed off a bunch of people including richard pryor and then moved on and then of course when he said that the internet lost their mind they're like not richard pryor no way and so Richard Pryor's widow came out and she's like, no, that's true. And she says, in, in fact, Richard Pryor was very open about his bisexuality with his friends and family. Oh, my God. Yeah. That is groundbreaking. It is shocking. I feel like no one's going to like this is going to change the world. It's like it's like finding out Bill Burr had sex with like Bradley Cooper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that is insane. Yeah. Uh, up is down and down is up to me right now. You well, know what? I didn't have a very strong reaction to it. And I think that means I'm I'm mature. I was like, oh, You're okay. more woke than I am. I guess, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I would say one of the other big stories this week is that uh, the Cloverfield paradox just totally dropped. Can you tell me about that? Because like, we knew another Cloverfield movie was coming from J.J. Abrams. I, did they just ghost this movie? Did we know it was even in production? I don't think we even knew it was in production. That's phenomenal. They were, 
there was kind of a talk about it, and then they just dropped it on Netflix. Yeah. Boom. Happened at the Super Bowl. It was like tomorrow this movie comes out. That's if, and and do do people like it? Like, I have no idea. I've, I I I still need to watch all of the Cloverfield movies. Me too. Yeah. So maybe that should be like one of my projects this week. They're very well. Although liked. at the Super Bowl, I we watched the the trailer and then. I was like, man, I heard that uh, one, two, three Cloverfield Street or whatever it's called uh, is supposed to be really, really good. And then my friend basically, like, kind of while we were watching the game, revealed the entire plot. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and I thought, okay, I was gonna be like, stop telling me this, but it, like he kind of like revealed the whole twist to me and everything. But I, I think I, I kind of would have been onto it anyway. But I don't know. Uh, I got to sit down and take it all in. Like, it's amazing to me, like when Beyonce ghost drops an album, like that's, that in itself is exciting. Like that this secret was kept from us and now it's just this thing that's here. But like you, Beyonce could put out an album with the help of less than 10 people easily. And there's no way a Cloverfield movie got made without the help of less than 200 people and then executives. So like, it's amazing that this secret stayed alive. You're right. I I find it crazy that they're doing it. Kanye did it. He just dropped an album. Uh, I I love it. Yeah. I love that the uh, first Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue of the hashtag Me Too era just dropped. Okay. And I don't really know how this is supposed to be important, but it's basically just like women like in wet tank tops that says a woman does not have to be modest in order to be respected. Uh, that's one photo. All right, sure. That that's um, true, I guess. Yeah. Uh, there's uh, a lady lying down naked, and it says "truth." It's like written on her. There's another one that says like "mother" uh, down the arm. It says like "nurturer." This is all just kind of like body paint. I guess I get what they're going for. It seems like uh, they're really, really trying to capitalize on it. Like it's a little on the nose. It seems like a strange avenue to try and teach this to to men who bought a magazine for one specific purpose. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. And it's like to keep it on top of the toilet at their like frat house. Exactly. That's exactly right. I like that, that uh, you have like, uh, you have tabloids and tabs open in front of you and you're giving me stuff. This is a nice change. I do. It's, it's kind of taking me by surprise that I, I, I want to see your take on it. I appreciate it. So have you so heard, I think, go ahead. I think those are are pretty much the 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 headlines that jumped out at me most. But I was going to mention the the uh, Kylie Jenner baby, which we know about. Obviously, we didn't really talk about it. Right, Stormy. Stormy, for some reason, decided to name it after the porn actress that <laughs> was uh, involved <laughs> I, with Donald Trump. I never thought about that. That's so true. <laughs> Seems like like they must have found found out about that and been like. Oh shit! We were gonna name our baby Stormy. <laughs> oh well. Yeah, well, you're right. Anyway. You're right, and they must not have even thought about it the day they decided. Like, it, for whatever. And to be fair, I didn't think about it all day. I read this morning that the baby's name was Stormy, and I was like, "Oh, that's weird." But I guess there are weirder <laughs> celebrity baby names. It never occurred to me that there's a very famous Stormy right now. Yeah, I find that confounding and amazing. Um, the the guy who did the video, you know, he's from Dartmouth, right? What video? The birth video? The, uh, I think there was, yeah, there was like a, 
they did like a baby video or something to announce that they had the baby. No way. And he's from Dartmouth. Yeah. Trailer, trailer trash, uh, Tyler Ross. That's what they call him. Okay. Maybe we've talked about this dude before. Yeah. Anyway. So he's, he's got, you should follow him on Instagram. His, I think his likes went up like 40 grand in a day. And I'm sure they've quadrupled since then. He's probably making lots of money. That guy. Oh yeah. Good for him. Yeah. So, uh, two of the creators, executive producers of Game of Thrones, have you heard about this? Signed into the Lucasfilm universe? Oh, so they signed in. This wasn't like a pastime for them. I thought they were like, oh, sorry, did did I blank out there for a second? No, I can hear you. What's up? My glucose monitor just beeped again. Nope, you're fine. Just one sec here. David, oh, it's a high glucose alert, so we're good. David Benioff? Benioff? I don't know how to pronounce his name. Yeah, David David Benioff. He dates... um. Uh, what's her name? Uh, the one who was in Studio Sixty. Uh, uh, Amanda Pete. Yes. Oh, okay. He's he's married to her. Oh, cool. Yeah. And uh, um, DB Weiss is the other guy. These two guys together have signed on to to produce and create a whole new Star Wars trilogy, separate from Ryan Johnson's, separate from the main Skywalker timeline. Yet another trilogy of Star Wars movies, this time coming from these people who fans of George R.R. R. Martin's text are actually not so crazy about. These are the guys who the the diehard purists say uh, destroyed their beloved franchise. Oh, interesting. And do you think, do you are you pumped for this or are you worried that you're going to get Star Wars fatigue? Uh, there was no doubt in my mind that there was going to come a time where there was Star Wars in every direction. Um, yeah. No, I, I think that it's coming from a bunch of different creative sectors is really good. Um, the problem with the Marvel fatigue is that so many origin stories were all mirroring each other. They were all the same story. That's what got boring. Yeah. So if we can keep the context of each storyline in the Star Wars universe different, I think there's a lot to play with here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, if there's... I think regardless of what you say about them adapting the book, they're they're good at adapting story that people will watch. Well, and look, that's not what I say. I don't have a horse in this race. I'm not a fan of Game of Thrones. I'm just saying there are certainly purists who will have their yeah. say. And by the way, they ran out of George R.R. R. Martin text a couple years ago, and these guys have had it on their shoulders, and obviously people liked what they've seen, maybe with the exception 100%. of this last season. Yeah, yeah. And even then, people still like it. Yes, people are still watching it. And there's only like six episodes left in the whole series. That's right. They timed it pretty well. So with, um, with them leaving uh, HBO for some time, because they've got this like little blackout period before Thrones, um, Confederate, remember Confederate, the HBO show that was kind of being talked about a yeah. little bit? So that, yep. was, that was also their child. And now it's kind of in limbo and it doesn't have a parent to usher it along. They've abandoned that project. Oh, and so it's, it's, it's still in development, but it doesn't have producers. So they abandoned that for Star Wars? Yeah. Cool. You I, know, I would you, do that. You, yeah. <laughs> you could either do the thing that is definitely going to have like angry mobs lining up yeah. to, to protest, or you can do a Star Wars trilogy. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, did you watch Saturday Night Live? Yeah, and I, I really liked it. I was really happy they did a sequel to the Natalie rap. I thought that was really great. Oh, I thought it was the clear highlight of the night. Yeah, it was. That one was so funny. Uh, and overall, like, she really came to play. Like, I guess I think of Natalie Portman as being kind of, I don't want to say snooty, but just like, uh, 
like very um very stoic but like yeah. right in the opening monologue she was silly and so i was happy yeah. to see that and i was able to enjoy the show i kind of thought she was picking sometimes i wonder how much like agents play with what an actor's episode of Saturday Night Live is going to be or what direction they're going to take. Well, Macaulay Culkin's dad was able to say nobody uses cue cards. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. So I, I wonder if they're like, it'll be good for your image if you just go silly as possible given kind of like what you've been doing over the last couple of weeks. Just Probably. Like make, make people know that you are a fun-loving gal. But you have to be able to pull it off. And I mean, part, yes. of, part of what makes the, the original Natalie Rapp charming is that you'd never believe she'd say these things and here she is saying them. So for whatever reason, yeah. she's been able to keep up that facade or at least that, that, uh, that persona in spite of there being evidence that she's, she's willing to be silly. Yeah, and, and it's so... They did do such a good job of keeping it current with the kind of like rap cycle. Yes. So it sounded more like Kendrick Lamar than like 99 problems. Well, and did the Lonely Island help her? I mean, I know Andy was in the video. Uh, that's a good question. They, they might have. It sounded like they would have. Yes. I'm sure they're in on it. I can Google it because I do have a laptop in front of me. So this is interesting. Recently, we did a trivia card about who came to live with Frasier in the pilot episode. And it was his dad. And John Mahoney died this week. Yeah, that's so sad. Brain I feel disease. like he was the person that I liked the most in that show. He was only 75. It's not really old enough. Yeah. And people are reacting to it pretty strongly. Like, I never had an attachment to Frasier, but, like, he's kind of one of those character actors who's been a long, around for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, he, I, I feel like he was always just kind of loved. Like, even, I think I remember him winning an Emmy and people just, like, really, really attaching themselves to him. Yeah. Yeah, it's too bad. Yeah. 13 Reasons Why uh, has been renewed for a third season, even though the second season hasn't come out yet. That's annoying. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Um, Andy Samberg says that Natalie's rap two came together in three days. Okay. And what he misses about working on SNL and whether Jar Jar Banks having 17 dicks is canon. <laughs> <laughs> is that a vulture article with uh, Jesse David is, Fox? Yeah. yeah. Jesse David Fox. Oh wow! Did you find it at the same time? No, no, I, I, I'm familiar with the writer. Okay, good stuff. Yeah, man, that's funny. And there's going to be a live action, bam, 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 Kim Possible movie. Wow. Is it going to be the girl from? Uh, uh, Even Stevens. Even Stevens. Christy Carlson Romano. I don't think so. Oh. Ew, I don't think I'm so. Off. I think she's probably like 40 now, and it would be strange for her to play a 16-year-old. <laughs> she's like 40? Well, no I don't know. Way. She wasn't 16 when she did Even Stevens 20 years ago, so she's probably not that now. What's her name? Christy Carlson Romano. Jesus. Why do I remember that? Why do certain things stay in your brain? Oh, I thought you like read something about her recently. Nope. Um... She's 33. 33, okay. She's pushing 40. Yeah, I guess so. And Ron, guess. Ron Stoppable was voiced by Will Friedle, Eric Matthews from Boy Meets World. And he probably is 40. He's got to be 40. Oh, yeah, I would say for sure. Eric Matthews' real age is what I'm going to look up. <laughs> okay. 
Uh, oh, God. What's his actual name? Will Friedel. This is not good radio. <laughs> he is. Yeah, he's 41. Yeah, there you go. Anyway, that's all I've got for pop culture news. You brought some uh, really good stuff to the table. I tried to bring some stuff to the table this time. I believe it's your turn to pick which show you want to do, I think. Okay. Uh, I think... I think I'm going to take Divorce. Ah, fuck you. All right. (laughs) Okay, so I'm just going to uh, call the characters by their actors' names, just so people know what I'm talking about. That's totally fine. You're going to recap the first episode of the HBO show Divorce in 30 seconds. You may start your recap in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1... Go. Okay, so basically, uh, Sarah Jessica Parker and Thomas Hayden Church are married. Um, they go to a party for one of her friends, Molly Shannon, who is turning 50. Uh, she is also unhappily married, gets drunk, accidentally uh, shoots her husband, or thinks she shoots her husband, but he's having a heart attack. This is after they have a big fight in front of everyone. Um, Sarah Four, Jessica Parker's having an three. affair. Two, <laughs> and one. he finds out he hates it with <laughs> you covered the first 12 minutes really well yeah thanks I'm noticing a pattern in, she doesn't uh, shoot her husband she the gun goes off and right. she was like she was like hysterical and she was threatening to shoot both her husband and herself and basically anybody who entered the room she didn't actually intend to shoot the gun but she was startled and the gun went off and then her husband had a heart attack and uh, she was a lunatic holy moly I realized I misspoke as soon as soon as I said it. So you um, came to me this afternoon before having watched the show, and you said, mm-hmm. "I think I'm going to hate this show." And I said, yes. "I know you feel that way. Do you do right. you, do you hate it? I, I'm sure it's not your favorite show in the world, having seen it. But do you hate it as much as you thought you would? No, I don't hate it as much as I thought I would. There was way more of a comedy element to it. Um, having said that, it was really depressing to really? Like, as someone who's like early on in life you know with you know friends getting married and stuff yeah. looking at this and thinking is this what it's gonna be like in like 20 years it's really interesting because that sarah jessica that parker who's been married to matthew Roderick for 20 years and has never been divorced is going out there and saying by the way this is what it's gonna turn into if you get married yeah yeah, and no one in the show is is having a happy marriage, and no. she's having an affair with with Jermaine Clement, which I thought was the biggest left curve. I actually kind of kinda, I actually show. thought it was really refreshing that her she she wasn't having an affair with like some obvious hunky guy like Ally Desperate oh, Housewives. It's like I was ex- yeah I was I was expecting it to be like Mark Ruffalo, if anything. Right. Okay. You know, kind of like uh, like handsome. maybe younger looking version although i'm sure they're probably not that far off in age or yeah you're right like like uh like andrew garfield or something yeah that would have been interesting yeah i kind of thought she and thomas hayden church were already getting divorced or were divorced like they go to the party and there's that whole thing where he's like you're taking too much time in the bathroom i shit in this folgers can like, yeah, that's just seemed to me like, oh, these guys just decided they're getting divorced and now they're being spiteful to each other. And so it wasn't until at the end of the party when she's like, I think I want a divorce that I was like, oh, I thought you were divorced. 
I know, and she hates him so much. Yes. In the like in the opening scene, it was hard to watch. It was really sad. It was really sad. Now it's important to it, remember it, Sarah Jessica Parker was the star of HBO's original flagship comedy program. Like she's yes. one one of their like their main people for making for like getting them off the ground. I think they would let her do anything at this point. I think so, and I guess I guess she workshopped this show for years. Oh wow. I kind of thought also, like, I was all ready to come on the podcast and be like, I think this show does well critically, but it's going to get canceled because nobody watches it. And then I read that yeah. the first season averaged uh, 4.4 4, 4 million views, which is the same as Veep and Girls. So it's doing very well commercially. It's just so not our... I'm sure if we asked, like, our mom's friends, they would be really into the show. Yeah, maybe. Because it's relatable. Because it seems... yeah. It's relatable. It's people their age, and at least it's like making kind of a funny thing out of a sad thing. I don't know. Although HBO, to us, it's really just sad. Really, really bleak. Uh, HBO seems to love a little bit too much dark comedies about like unforgivably narcissistic people. Yeah, they did that show with the uh, Duplass brothers a couple years ago, um, and it was kind of the same thing. Well, was like, girls man, was that? That nobody was redeemable. Yes. Yeah, I agree. For that matter, um, cra- Crashing is less and less watchable with every week. Are you still watching Crashing? Uh, I watched the first uh, three weeks. What are they on, week three or four now, or four uh, or five now? They've done four now. Did you watch the Bill Burr episode? I did not watch the Bill Burr episode. So you've probably, you probably only seen two episodes then. Yes, I must have only seen two. Yeah. Um, you, you're not liking it. No, he's he's unwatchable. <laughs> he's not realistic i don't buy it yeah i know what you mean he uh there's times it even just where it's showing his reaction to someone else saying something that's where i find it hard to buy him right because you just know he w- doesn't react that way at all is there some kind of metaphor to be gleaned from when thomas hayden church whacks the bird's nest out of the tree is that supposed to be like a homewrecker metaphor that's a great question. I thought there was gonna, yeah, I thought they were gonna build on that a little bit, or maybe it's just the fact that like he can't enjoy something that's like kind of nice. He almost feels compelled to ruin it. Yeah, but he he wasn't really the ruiner. Like their their romance died, and he wasn't like a very. Yeah, but if you he was kind of like aggressive, ask, but like he he wasn't he didn't uh, pull the trigger, and he didn't cheat. There was that there was that weird line about her saying like when you threw my laptop out the window last year and it was like what what's the story there so i think maybe they dig a little bit deeper in future episodes and that stuff like lines like that are supposed to kind of keep you hanging on a little bit that's true you know it makes you think maybe this character could be a little bit uh angrier i thought when he when he go ahead I did laugh uh, when he's stomping around the room and he kicks a chair and then he turns around and kicks another chair and she just goes, stop kicking chairs. (laughs) I loved when he ranted about how he's Sandra Bullock rising from the ashes. I thought that was really funny. That that was funny to me. It was funny to me where he was, she woke up and he was sitting in the chair and he said, I went to a strip club and women stripped <laughs> and then they were naked, they were naked. <laughs> like, i wanted to hurt you stuff, yeah stuff like that just 
was was making me laugh. He I thought was kind of doing I thought the most devastating line in the show was when he finds out about her affair and he looks her in the eye and he says, "I'm gonna make your children hate you." Yeah, and like that is like that is a powerful line because that is a very real thing that happens when uh, divorced couples grow bitter. They start using their children as uh, weapons, and it's yeah. very. But it's it's very sad and it's very real. I think at the end you're really supposed to not like either of them more than each other, and you're kind of supposed to be like happy that they're both unhappy. Yeah, but why does HBO do that? Why do they insist on making TV shows about unlikable people? You can still give us relatable storylines if the characters are not like literal devils. Yeah. Literal devils. Yeah. I agree. Devils. Um, yeah, I, I mean, like, I'm not going to watch it again. Uh, although, it, I, I'll be honest, it it was kind of entertaining. Yeah, it was. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's not for me. It's not for me either. I don't give it my ass. I think, I think it's probably an okay pilot, but it needs to, mm-hmm. it's going to need to find some levity. It's, it's just like... It, divorce has to be hard i can only imagine i've been very lucky that i haven't been exposed to a whole lot of divorce in my entire life but me too but it's just like what are we supposed to gain from this like if you've experienced divorce firsthand why would you want to watch this and if you haven't why would you want to watch this i think there's going to be a season uh or like in episode two you meet one of thomas hayden church's friends and uh that's going to be kind of funny like him just kind of like throwing out and being an idiot. Maybe you're right. But either way, I'm not going to watch it. He's not a guy <laughs> you see around a whole lot anymore, is he? No, what has he been involved in? I mean, I don't know. I just think when I see Thomas Hayden Church, I think of Sideways. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Maybe the Sandman in Spider-Man 3. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I see Spider-Man 3, Broken Trail. He was in Idiocracy. Um, Over the Hedge. I don't don't even know if I knew he was in um, Spider-Man 3. Yeah, he played the Sandman guy. Huh. Yeah, not a... a, He was uh, in George of the Jungle 2. I think he was in George of the Jungle 1. He was, yeah. I believe so. He was in uh, Monkey Bone. He was in Spanglish. Spanglish. He was the voice of Brooks the Crow in Charlotte's Web. Um, he was in Easy A. John Carter. <laughs> Isn't it interesting that there's, a, the- that there's a character named Brooks the Crow in Charlotte's Web when Brooks in Shawshank Redemption had a pet crow? Oh, wow. Yeah. That was very astute of you. Thank you. I'm really quite something. <laughs> um, well, okay. I think that's what we have to say about Thomas Hayden Church and divorce. For sure. And, and I'm running out of moisture in my throat, so let's let's move on to the second sure. show. We'll roll through. I will uh, get the timer up here. Um, I'm going to recap the first episode of the new NBC sitcom, AP Bio, which kind of yes. came, came as a bit of a dark horse to me, but... Uh, I'm excited to talk about it with you. And we are uh, we're gonna launch you in three, two, one, 
go. Jack used to be a professor at Harvard. He's like one of the great philosophers of his time. And now he's got this job teaching AP bio at a high school in some uh, podong town that he doesn't want to work in. He has no intention of taking the job seriously. In fact, he's going to do as little work as possible. The kids seem to want to work. And uh, Patton Oswalt, the principal, seems to, be want, seems to want to be his pal. So he seems to be letting an awful lot of stuff slide. In the end, he does show he does have Bye. some... Has some heart by uh, letting this weird kid stand up to his bully. That's 30 seconds right there. Very cool. Sort of. Uh, yeah. He didn't really stand up to yeah. the bully. He kind of just like threatened to beat the bully up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what did What did you think of it? I loved it. I thought it was like, I thought it was way more ballsy than you expect from, from network primetime, first of all, or NBC in general. Uh I heard Patton Oswalt talking about it, and uh, he seemed so excited for some of the storylines that were in it. He was talking about it on Comedy Bang Bang. Yeah. And he, he literally just kind of like got giddy about it. That made me really want to watch it. Um, and I loved just the first scene, him walking in saying, no, I'm not going to teach you anything, and no, you are not going to teach me anything. It's not going to be that kind of story. <laughs> <laughs> and when they all try to reach out and start like rapping about how they actually want to learn. Oh my like, God. Nope, no, no, no. This is stopping. There I mean, be it, no it, rapping to me. Tonally, it borrows a little bit from community and even like the school of rock, the idea of this like slacker guy who just wants to come in here and not do anything and pull it off and get the paycheck. Like I saw a, a ton of school of rock in it, honestly. Absolutely. Like both of those things for sure. He's part Dewey Finn, part Jeff Winger, and and a yes. whole lot more attitude. He's also meaner than both of those people, right? And I think smarter too. Well, yes, Jeff Winger I think was supposed to be smart, but more conniving than anything else. So it's written by Mike O'Brien. Yeah, who Mike you love, and is is Seth Meyers also involved in this? He must He's, be somehow. I saw him in a picture on the IMDb page. Right. Um, I do. I do love Mike O'Brien from like what I've. He's been on a couple episodes of Comedy Bang Bang, and it's made guy. me realize how funny he is. Yeah, super weird. And I remember liking some of his digital shorts too. Um, but this is exactly what he should be doing. He should be headmanning weird shows. And like it's, he is going. He's going to be that guy. Executive produced by Lauren Michaels. Yeah, yeah. So it's nice to see that Lauren Michaels. I think like wanted to keep him in the circle. I think he continued to write on the show. On on uh, Saturday Night Live after being in the cast. Oh, okay. You mean Mike O'Brien? Yeah, Mike O'Brien. Yeah, no, he did. He was only in the cast for like a year, and then he went back to writer. But I think he's probably not the writer anymore. Like, I think he's no, probably... no. I, I'm sure he's. I'm sure he's graduated on. I wonder that. if he's still with Cecily Strong, which is uh, unfathomable. Whoa, they dated? Yeah, I think they. I think they still do. Oh my god! Amazing. I had no idea about that. Yeah. That's amazing. How do I not know when there's an SNL relationship happening? I don't know. Is there any other ones besides Colin Jost and Scarlett Johansson? That's I, I mean that's not really an SNL relationship, but like it's kind of a <laughs> it's kind of a high profile one. Definitely. No, I don't know. What did you think of uh, of uh, Pete Davidson on Weekend Update? By the way, <laughs> he's always so funny. Uh, it's amazing. He's... It's kind of amazing he gets to keep that job because he's not built for Saturday Night Live at all. No, and he's always, he kind of delivers lines, he, he delivers kind of a depressing and hilarious, anytime he's talking about anything. Yes. It's always, it's always a little bit sad. Yes. But really funny. That's, I think, what an HBO comedy should be like. 
you should have those feelings of like, oh, you know, it's not all bad for this guy. Well, like Louis. Louis, Louis so, was the perfect so combination of comedic and depressing. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. So the show already exists. Anyway, sorry, I, I took us off on on a bit of a on a bit of a tangent there. But this is Mike O'Brien's baby. Yeah, and I think he did a really good job with it. It's I, I watched it on YouTube again. I don't know why more networks don't put their pilots on YouTube. It's an amazing way for people to check things out and then subscribe oh, I didn't know to their thing. Yeah, great. Um, yeah, I thought it was super funny. I think there's a lot of funny, like young comedians in it too, that, that really stand a chance to have a name made for them if the show gets really popular. Yeah. Well, and plus over time they can turn the cast over really easily, really naturally. True. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, yeah, a little bit of it's always sunny in Philadelphia in there too. I would say that's that's one that we left out, but kind of an obvious one because it's Glenn Howerton. It is, but I think that this is a step in the right direction for him. Like in in the development of the show, the rumor started to go around that he was going to leave. It's always sunny, and I know people were sad about that, but like it's always sunny has been on for like thirteen years. How much longer can you expect it to go? I'm I'm glad that it's still as strong as it always was, but like it's fair if he wants to move on and do a different thing. Totally. And they had a lot of seasons like to begin with. Like I think they had five seasons and then there was like a hiatus for a couple of years and then they pumped out a bunch. Right. So I, I think that that show has lived a full life. How many more seasons than 13 do you want? I don't know. I don't. But anyway, he's going to keep doing both, I guess. Paycheck. Yeah. It's it's much it's it's shinier than it's always sunny. In fact, it, it looks deliberately very clean and polished and almost bare. And I, I wondered, is 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 that supposed to signify the arrival of uh, Harvard Jack? Uh, he's like there to disrupt the cleanliness and the perfection of this chaste little high school. Yeah, it could be. And his sweatpants and his t-shirts. <laughs> yeah, he has a uniform already, doesn't he? Yeah, and I found I found it was really funny. Uh, <laughs> I'm here. Uh, what are what are your plans for the night? Actually, I'm going to meet up with uh, my ex and bang her so hard. Is that what he says? <laughs> Did you like the other uh, teachers in the in the staff room? Yeah, I thought they were funny. Me too. Yeah, I thought they were funny, and I liked his dynamic with them. He wasn't an enemy. He was kind of interested in what they had to say. Yeah, well, it's, it's important like, if he's not. You. It's important if he's not superior to everybody. Like, I mean, it's partly his character to be slightly superior to everybody, but he can't be condescending to everybody. You're right. You're right. The, and they've kind of like he's gleaning some some ideas from them. Like, wait a second, you can just get kids to do whatever they want. Well, they're kind of like him. Was... They're also Machiavellian, like twisted bullies. Yeah, and th that scene I found so funny. When all the the students were reading the uh, catfishing tales, yes, to try to get this uh, enemy professor out on a date with them. Have you ever had a teacher uh, that you just like you could tell like openly didn't care? You know, looking back uh, a little bit, and now having friends that are teachers, it's really funny. Like yeah. just to just to think about what my elementary school teachers must have been thinking sometimes like and and the conversations they must have had of just being like oh this kid won't just shut the fuck up yeah. like i yeah. know and like a teacher always teachers whenever it would come up they would always say no we don't talk about students in the staff room but yes of course they did yeah absolutely 
I would love to even be a fly on the wall today. I'd love to just go and sit in a staff room and watch a bunch of teachers like talk shit about a student. It would be fascinating. It really would be. I'm sure there's a documentary that exists. My friend, uh, his dad is a teacher or was a teacher at our old high school. He started teaching there just after we graduated. And they made his classroom the room that had previously been the in-school suspension room. Like they just shuffled teachers around all the time. So he landed in this classroom that previously had been used as the in-school suspension room. And because it was that room one time, it was fitted with a security camera. And so, so it like, it was noticeable, this like big dark bubble on the ceiling. And so he's the new teacher and he's like, he's a nice guy, but he's like kind of uh, intense, I guess. I've, I've been kind of, intimidated by him in the past um and so students are wondering like what's to be expected from this new teacher no one's heard of and so he tells them on the first day that uh the camera is there because he about 10 years ago he hit a student and now by law (laughs) he has to be monitored while he's teaching no (laughs) and so like they just bought it and like five different parents called the school and demanded that their kid be removed from his class and he was oh like, I was God. just kidding. Amazing. <laughs> what, uh, wh- what was his name? Uh, Mr. McIntosh. Mr. McIntosh. Okay. Yeah. It reminded guy. me of a, a uh, teacher that I had in high school. And I was just making sure that the teacher I had in high school didn't move to your high school at one point. <laughs> well, and that's the other thing is that a lot of, a lot of teachers were good teachers, but they were just shit disturbers. Yeah. Yeah, true. Like you, and you, sometimes you even hear them talk about like, but you know, uh, I don't know how much the uh, school board agrees with that idea. I've brought it to them a couple <laughs> times, you know. And uh, I feel like that's the kind. I also think it's interesting. The most interesting thing, I think, is that he's a philosophy teacher. Yeah, like he's like an IDGAF philosophy teacher. Right. Like whatever. Life is kind of meaningless, but like is also like you'll you'll get a couple philosophical references through each episode not unlike uh, the good place yeah that's true I feel, like, I feel like philosophy is also just really kind of kind of having a moment right now that like stoicism it's kind of becoming the new zen meditation well and what a wonderful thing for people to actually be genuinely interested in it's true. And how interesting that. that it's so present in two, not one, but two NBC sitcoms. Yeah. Yeah. Have you been keeping up with The Good Place? No, I figured I'd wait until the end of the season and then just binge the whole thing. But I think it's done now, right? It just finished. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I love, uh, God, I love the places they go with this show. It's very odd. Mm-hmm. Do you give I me- had a, sorry, do I give my S to this show? Yes. The AP bio? Yeah, I, I, it's got a lot of promise, and I can't wait to watch more of it. Me too. What were you gonna say? I don't think I don't think the rest of the season comes out for like uh, a month or something. Yeah, I think the the next episode comes at the end of February and then March. Yeah, like that was just a tease. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, I had a uh, kind of a hunch about what the good place might do next. Okay. And uh, I think I kind of nailed it. Oh, good. Yeah. You caught their spoiler. Yeah. A little bit. A little bit. But right. uh, but you'll you'll really like this season, I think. I'm excited to watch it. And we're kind of without a thing right now, so maybe we'll pick that up soon. 
Oh, good. Yeah, I'd recommend it. Get on it ASAP. Well, I think the quality uh, was it was not quite as good as the last time when we did it on FaceTime versus a phone call, but at least you didn't cut out anymore. I'm going to cut off a huge right. chunk of the beginning of this podcast uh, where we're just trying to figure things out. So anyway, sure. it, it might not be the most listenable episode ever. Nevertheless, it was episode 75, <sighs> and that's an accomplishment as far as I'm concerned. I think so too. Uh, you know what? I think we covered some good ground for kind of a no pregame show really planned. We launched into it and we talked some shit and had some good times. That's right. I agree. All right. So well, thanks for thanks for having me on the airwaves. Always, buddy. You can always you can always be on the fictional airwaves that don't exist because it's the internet. Yes. Yes, you're absolutely right. Will Smith has um, been has been mocking Jaden Smith by recreating his Instagrams. You know that thing that like internet dads do where they're like look at their kids' Instagram and then they'll recreate the poses in a way that mocks the uh, free spirit of their child. Oh uh, yeah, okay. Will Smith has been doing that to Jaden, who's obviously kind of a lost soul already. Yeah, man, I listened to his one of his songs, Jaden's songs. Yeah. And then it was actually kind of dope. I know. Well, and I think this is what it is too. Like, uh, his, he's been doing really well on Spotify or something. And so to celebrate, Will Smith has been making fun of him on Instagram. Right. But is he just, is he doing it because he's his son and he kind of loves him and he, this is like showing affection or is he just like, it's that. And it's also that pie. That's it's a combination of both. It's definitely look at me, look at me. Yeah. Well, They've already been on the pursuit of happiness together, but <laughs> it's Jaden's time now. What an old reference. Wait. I <laughs> know. Uh, but yeah, that's... Would you say that's why you never trust Will Smith? I mean, if he did that to me, I wouldn't trust him. No, I, w- I don't trust a guy who likes to take the piss out of his kid just to g- garner the attention of a world that already loves him. Yeah. And you know what? I think... Jaden Smith isn't actually his son. Oh, okay. You think he's lying about his parentage? Let's go to that level. Okay. That's how much I don't trust Will Smith. Yeah, paternal uh, lying. I, I don't. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't trust. I don't trust any of them. I don't trust Will Smith. Show us the records, <laughs> Jada. Maury, Maury. Yeah. <laughs> Never trust Will Smith. Never trust him. All right, buddy. Thanks. All right. Thanks, buddy. Okay. Talk to you soon.